Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Our Hearts at Home podcast, where we talk about trusting God in the midst of suffering. We're your hosts, Gary and Laura House, co-founders of the Our Hearts at Home ministry to bereaved parents. Every one of us encounters suffering. Each week on this show, we sit down with people who have a deep understanding of suffering because they've experienced it. We hope you'll leave here with new insights into how you can trust the Lord through the painful times of your life. So thanks for joining us. We think you're going to be encouraged by what you hear today. This week, again, we have Melanie DeSimone. Last week, Melanie talked about Dominic, uh, her son, who is now in heaven, and about her grief journey. And there's another piece of your life that we also want to talk about, something that many of our listeners will also relate to, and that is living with chronic pain and suffering. Uh, could you share a little bit today about how you were diagnosed and what it looks like from a medical perspective to deal with rheumatoid arthritis? And maybe share a little bit about what type of treatments that you do in order to manage it. Sure. Um, thank you for having me back for this. Um, a lot of people don't know that I live with chronic illness because if you see me out and about, if it's a good day, you'll never know. Um, if it's a bad day, I'm probably not out and about. So that's one of, that's one of the things. Um, I was diagnosed in 2008 and um, it was, I originally had some swelling in an ankle joint and uh, I had a very attentive and thoughtful GP that took a measure, which is called an ANA, which is not typically drawn. And it showed that there was some unusual autoimmune activity. And then I was recommended to a rheumatologist, which took months and months to get in. So upfront, any of you dealing with this, it is normative for it to take a long time. And I know that's very frustrating, but that's just how things are. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that describing rheumatoid arthritis, it's a progressive, uh, potentially debilitating degenerative disease. There is no cure. There are multiple treatments that can slow the, the pace of the disease, but it ends up affecting so much of your body and it can affect your organs as well. Thankfully, I haven't had organ involvement. Um, it's part of a group of diseases that include lupus and psoriatic arthritis and uh, psoriasis and some other, some other diseases. Um, the treatment that I'm currently on is uh, a biologic, which I'm not thrilled about. Uh, it's uh, technically it's not experimental, but if you look in terms of the longevity of when different drugs have been out, it, biologics are new on the market, relatively new on the market. I think the oldest one is only 20 years old. Mm -hmm. My rule of thumb in life has always been if it hasn't been out there for 50 years, I'm not taking it. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I know we'll talk about this in a minute, but after Dominic went to heaven, uh, my disease progressed to the point that it was, my joints were beginning to deform significantly. And the danger of that is that what you see on the outside is only part of what's going on. If you've got that kind of inflammation that you can monitor and measure, you've also got inflammation in your blood vessels and in other parts of your body and your organs and so on and so forth. And I had already been through all the other things 
and we were left with biologics. This is my third biologic because that's another thing that happens is that uh, you get on one, it works for a while, and then it stops working. You have to go to the next one. Um, and these all work basically by blocking some specific portion of your immune response. So what happens in autoimmune diseases, your body says, oh, let me attack your own cells. Mm -hmm. yeah. And these these uh, different kinds, they're called DMARDs, disease-modifying disease anti-rheumatic drugs. Um, they tell your body to back off. Now, the bad part of that is that then you sometimes have a low white count and you definitely always are immunocompromised, not immunosuppressed. That would be someone who has had an organ transplant or something like that. But it's, you you know, so I don't, I had to stop doing the nursery at church because, you know, kids come and they're sick and that's fine, mm -hmm. but it's just not a ministry that I can participate in. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the connection there with it getting worse with grief. Let's just talk about that for just a minute here, because um, you and I both know that anyone who's lost a child or lost someone else very dear to them, that there are a lot of physical ramifications or there can be for people um, even on down the road. So, you know, maybe talk about that just a little bit more. Sure. Um, one of the things uh, that we know about most chronic health issues and really health in general is that stress makes them worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always love, if you look up anything, you Google it and it'll say, try not to try to get the stress out of your life. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a great idea. If I could bottle that, I could sell it, you know. <laughs> um, but child loss is the same thing, how child loss affects marriage sometimes. You know, anything that puts stress in the system is going to make the, the disease more active. And one of the things that um, happened post-Dominic, I was in the hospital two months after he died for several days because um, right after he died, we had my youngest son graduated college. My oldest son got married and I managed to get through that and it was almost it was almost two months to the day after we buried Dominic that I was in the hospital. And it's just, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You have to go with the flow. Yeah. But what I would say is for those of you who do have some kind of chronic disease and have also experienced child loss is be proactive as much as possible. I am I was then and I continue to be um I, I'm very jealous over trying to make sure I get enough rest and um, taking, I do, I exercise every day I walk. I can't do any kind of hard things because it's my joints won't take it, but um, just doing the things that you can, the things you can control, it can help. But it's, it's, if you, if you notice that you are, oh, and also be honest with your doctor, you know, some of us, when we go to the doctor, we're afraid of crying or we're afraid of getting upset or whatever. I was just completely honest with her. And I said, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's happened. And I don't know. I don't know if you can help me deal with it or not. For a while, I had an extra prescription of prednisone for really bad days, you know, that she just gave me enough where I could choose to take it or not as I wanted to. So talk to your health healthcare provider. 
You know, that's, that's great. Um, I, I want to ask another question here because Gary and I don't live with chronic pain. That's not something that is part of our lives right now. Um, but we have a lot of family and friends that we know do live with chronic pain. The, the thing is we can't see it. And so this is something that, like you said earlier, you know, on a good day, nobody's even going to know. And on a bad day, you're not out there for anyone to know. So can you talk just a moment about what it, what does that feel like for someone, you know, you're in a group of people and you may be really hurting that day and no one knows it. So I'm just kind of wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and what are some of those challenges? Um. It is challenging and it's also challenging for, you know, a firstborn fix it type person like myself to um, admit that I'm in pain, that I need help. But um, the biggest challenge is, and it's also similar to child loss, especially if you're in a group where people don't know that you've lost a child and, and you maybe say, oh, I can't teach VBS or I can't do this right now. Um, People they want to they want to know why you know and I'm not shy about telling them why, but it's very difficult for people to just accept a no, mm -hmm. and so I had to learn to, that no is a complete sentence, and if it's not someone that is in my circle or to whom I'm accountable in some way, I don't have to tell them more than that. I can just say no. I just really can't do that. Um, I also had to learn to uh, have some pretty uh, strong boundaries around uh, allowing myself to be overrun with commitments. I pace my days. Um, I also had to, uh, for example, sometimes my hands are in such pain, people will extend their hand to shake my hand and I just, I can't bear their grip, you know? And so I've developed things like, I'll just kind of put my left hand on their right shoulder and that's my way of greeting them and I just don't offer my hand. So I had to become comfortable with with making adjustments that other people don't always understand. If they ask me, I'm happy to tell them, you know, um, but it is hard. It's hard. And, and it can, you know, I'll be honest. Sometimes I just get tired of saying I hurt and sometimes it makes me grumpy and I have to apologize more. Sometimes there's days when I have to apologize a lot because I'm just grumpy. Um, Right now, my hip is really killing me, and last Sunday, we had a, a meal at church, and I'm the uh, hospitality hostess, and um, some friends saw that, that I was just hobbling around, and, um, you know, they offered to wash the dishes, which is normally something I do, and I just learned to graciously accept their help, you know, and that's just an example, but, you know, you just have to, yeah. you just have to make changes. And and accept that you can't do all the things you used to be able to do. And that's its own kind of death and mourning. You know, I, I developed this disease when I wasn't even 50 yet. Mm. And so, yeah. you know. A lot of grief that goes along with mm -hmm. that. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's not always easy uh, for others to notice the pain we're in. Um, the example you just gave us um, at church uh, is a good one where someone noticed the pain you're in and offered to help you. But uh, for those of us that do not live with chronic pain, uh, how can we help someone who does? You know, as believers, we want to help and comfort 
our friends who are suffering and um, uh, maybe share some of the things that um, that would be helpful. And also to add to that, is it helpful for like somebody who knows, I know you have RA, is it helpful for me to say, hey, how are you doing? Are you hurting? Or is that not, are you tired of hearing that? Is that not a question that we should ask? For me, I'll, I'll answer yours first, Laura. For me, I appreciate when people ask me if that, you know, asking once, you know, I, not pestering and, and we all know where that line is. I think most of us do, you know, but asking once when you see someone and say, hey, how are you feeling today? Is there are you hurting today? Um, especially if we're going to be doing something together that involves standing or frankly, even sitting a long time, like in a pew, you know, in, in an unco uh, potentially uncomfortable seat. Um to me, I really appreciate that. I appreciate when when my friends and my family say, "Are you hurting today?" Um, and then to Gary, in a in a broader sense, I think what helps the most is one when people accept. If I say I am hurting, if they simply accept that and don't don't pick at it and say, well, what did you do? Mm -hmm. Have you tried this other thing? You know, can you go here? Can you do this? Can you, because it's very frustrating, especially for someone who's lived with this as long as I have, that I, trust me, I've done it all. <laughs> and sometimes I hurt and there's not one thing that I can point back to, you know, that caused the flares, no specific cause for the flare. Um, the other thing is to uh, be attentive. If, if you have a friend that has chronic pain, and let's say they come over to your house, pay attention to what seat you offer them. And if they're a person, they may need to have their legs elevated on a footstool or something. If you have that ability to offer that to them, you know, offer them that seat. Um, if you, uh, if, if you want to go somewhere to a venue or something, understand that if you want to go to a Coliseum type event and there's many, many of those little bitty steps that you've got to go up and down, um, it may be just as difficult for someone like me to go up and down that many steps. I mean, I can make steps as it would be for someone who had a walker, which you would think about it with somebody with a walker or a wheelchair, but you might not think about it with somebody who has chronic back pain or has other joint issues. Um, and, and uh, you know, maybe allow a little extra time for someone when they've got to go somewhere or get in and out of vehicles. Again, it depends on the day. Right now, I'm not having that much struggle with any of those things. Um, but there's other people that do, and you wouldn't necessarily know that if you've only seen them in a context of a group like at church or something, and they're already out of the car. And I guess the final thing I would say is understand that someone with chronic pain may make a plan with you a week from now, and they may wake up that morning and literally be barely able to move. Mm -hmm. And if they have to cancel accept it graciously. Now mm -hmm. there's a whole issue if it becomes a pattern and you can address that within your friendship. But if it's just a one-off, just accept it graciously and don't don't question, oh, well sure, you could do it. Come 
come on, come on. It won't be that bad because if you don't live with this, you don't know what it feels like. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Let's talk a little bit about suffering as I listen, listen to you share today. Um, I just think about the incredible amount of suffering that you're experiencing physically and with the limitations that this causes in your daily life. Um, as you shared last week about the loss of Dominic, um, child loss involves a lot of suffering. Um, so you're suffering in two different ways and suffering is not something any of us want to experience. It's not something we go look for. It's not something that we wish upon anyone else. And yet um, suffering is a very prominent theme uh, throughout the Bible. And Jesus said, we're going to suffer. Peter talked a lot about suffering. And so when we do experience suffering, our question oftentimes is, why is this happening to me? But when the Bible tells us that it's going to happen, our question should be, why not? I should expect mm -hmm. it. So um, as you've suffered the loss of a child and as you suffer with RA, um, can you share some of your thoughts about perhaps the purpose of suffering and uh, what suffering has meant in your life? Um, well, I can say this, having been diagnosed with RA, which is ongoing, incurable, and relatively constant, or before Dominic went to heaven, it helped me, it helped give me almost immediate perspective on the fact that living the rest of my life without my, without one of my children here on earth was going to be a similar, it was going to be a follow a similar trajectory. And so when I was first diagnosed, um, I was very frustrated. There's a kind of significant concern because uh, like most chronic diseases, there can be bad complications. Thankfully, I haven't suffered any of those. Um, but vis-a-vis -vis the Bible and my understanding of suffering and how it has shaped me in different ways, I had to, I have wrestled a little bit with God and I finally came to the understanding that, like you said, Gary, suffering's part of life and that, um, that God didn't, doesn't owe me anything. He literally does not owe me a thing. If he's truly God, he owes me nothing. I'm his creation and his creature. And so, um, he doesn't even owe me health. And so I was able to get to the place where I recognized that if I allowed my heart to go to Christ and to lean on him and to uh, dwell in him, that with his help, I could bear this, even this, you know, I could bear it. And um, there's days when it has been really bad and, you know, I'm just crying and uh I think, keep thinking, Lord, please, please just let this go away. And it doesn't, it takes time. You know, you got to take medicine or whatever you have to do to give it time. And when I think, when I have those days, I go to um, Philippians 3, this is out of the voice, 9-11. Um, Paul was speaking and he says, when it counts, 
I want to be found belonging to him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on law, but actively relying on the faithfulness of the anointed one. This is true righteousness supplied by God, acquired by faith. I want to know him inside and out. I want to experience the power of his resurrection and join in his suffering shaped by his death so that I may arrive safely at the resurrection from the dead. And I think about that, and I think that suffering, if we allow it, does shape us. And as we talked last time, um, it'll take that veneer off the, the shininess off your faith. It becomes a working faith. It becomes a faith that can bear up under the struggles of life. And it also, personally, I never, I was never a... Uh, prosperity gospel person or a name it and claim it person but that verse i feel like speaks to that truth which is here paul was talking about the old testament law but if you think about the name it and claim it uh teaching it basically is saying there's some kind of immutable law that god himself has to obey if we do certain things we get certain results and and that's a kind of self-righteousness, you know, that's a kind of self um, declaration. And, and we don't, we don't get to do that. My life is not my own. And so when I, when I suffer and I'm in pain, I think about Christ and about his suffering and it helps me bear my own, you know, it doesn't make it, it does make it hurt less. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with people. But it does it does give me the the courage to to bear it. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm sure that will be an encouragement to uh, a lot of people who are suffering one way or another. Well, Melanie, I have one other question here. Um, I'm sure that throughout the years here, you have asked the Lord to heal you because we are told to pray and we ask for healing and Sometimes the Lord miraculously heals people. And of course he could do that in a split second. And oftentimes he doesn't intervene um, with, for whatever reason, with what's happening here on earth with disease and death and so forth. Can you speak to that for just a moment? Um, yes, I think that chronic pain and child loss have both shaped my prayer life in the same direction, which is that what I pray for more than anything is the Lord's presence and his provision in whatever circumstance I find myself. And while I know he can heal me, um, I'll be honest, it's not really something I I don't ask for it every day. I mean, there's definitely days that I ask for it, <laughs> but many times I just, I'm simply content to be aware that he's here and that he will provide the help I need, whatever that looks like, whether it's physical help for someone to help me physically do something or whether it's medical help or whatever, you know? Um, and I think, I think that has freed me in a lot of ways because sometimes I think 
our suffering is made greater when we're constantly focusing on the gap between what we want or expect and what reality actually is. And when we can let go of that, it frees a huge amount of energy to be put into simply being where you are. And I don't mean that in any kind of, um, you know, kind of mystical way. I just mean that if I'm constantly kicking the goads, that's energy that I can't use in other places. So I just, I've, I've learned to rest in his presence and with his provision. I guess that would be the best way I could say it. That is a perfect way to end this conversation. And that should be the title of this episode is um, resting in his provision and his purpose. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us again this week and for sharing your heart and for the encouragement um, to other people listening today that are suffering, you know, with some type of illness that perhaps isn't seen. I really appreciate all of the comments that you had for all of us to be able to try to love on those people more as well. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a great pleasure. Yeah. Well, you've been very helpful to, uh, to us and many other people who are listening. So we do appreciate your time. The Our Hearts Your Home Ministry to Bereaved Parents is solely funded by generous supporters like you. To partner with us to reach grieving parents with the hope found in Christ, visit ourheartsourhome.org.